This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Buffalo's got a spirit talking proud, talking proud. Listen up and hear it talking proud, talking proud. All righty, what's going on, Buffalonians? Buffalonians at heart. Welcome to episode 235, Talking Buffalo Podcast. Want to thank everyone out there, as always, for continuing to download. Support the show really means a lot to me. Big props to Cover One, Buffalo Fanatics, Buffalo Rumblings, 26 Shirts. Those brands have really helped me continue to grow this show by retweeting episodes on Twitter. More eyes, more ears on the podcast because of them. So thank you very much. And before I talk about today's episode, I actually got a nice little contest going where people who subscribe to this podcast can win some cool stuff from Macy's Place Pizzeria. I'll put more details in the show notes, but the gist of it is if you subscribe to this podcast and if you have Twitter, you have an opportunity again, thanks to the kindness of Macy's Place Pizzeria to win a large pizza and 20 wings. If you know me, if you've listened to this podcast, you know how high I am on Macy's Place Pizzeria. They're quite literally on my Mount Rushmore of chicken wings. I've tried Power Ranked Reviewed 67 places. They're right there with 911 Tavern at the very top of the list. Love that place. Anyway, again, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, any of those. Go on my Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. And again, this information will be in the show notes. Right at the very top, it's pinned at the top. So you don't got to scroll around looking for it. I have the contest details. And all you got to do is hit reply, take a screenshot to prove that you are subscribed to this podcast, and bam, enter to win. So that contest is running through next week. I'll announce the winner on next Friday's show. Just a little cool gesture to let you know that I appreciate you guys subscribing to the show. And of course, a really cool gesture, courtesy of Macy's Place Pizzeria. One of the best. Speaking of one of the best, as for today's show, I got Joe Yurden with me, now former Buffalo Sabres beat reporter from The Athletic. And let me just say this right off the top here. I could probably count on one hand, and I'm not, I'm being dead serious here. One hand, I could probably count on the amount of people that I like more in the sports media than Joe. Just a great guy. And I really, truly mean that. I've talked to him several times. He's only the second person that I've ever had as a featured guest on this podcast five times. Matt Perino being the other. Just a good person, man. Really upbeat. And frankly, I feel horrible for him because he did get laid off from The Athletic, a victim of this pandemic and everything that's going on in this climate right now. And I'll tell you what, 
During our conversation, Joe really, truly opens up and, and he lets it out, man. You can feel the emotion when he's talking. This was his dream job and it got yanked away from him. And it, it feels like to him that he was blindsided, did not expect it. And Joe's kind enough to take us all through the process of how exactly it happened. That fateful meeting that ultimately led to him getting laid off. So we talk about that, what his future may hold. And again, very candid, upfront, honest. He has concerns about it. Will he be able to stay in Buffalo? Will he have to relocate? Trying times for people like Joe and, you know, and he says it himself too, millions of people in this country, just this pandemic has really hurt. It goes way beyond death toll numbers or new cases. It ruptures the economy. Millions and millions of people losing their jobs, not knowing when things are going to get better. It's a really candid, open, honest conversation with Joe. Not all doom and gloom, though, although that does continue because we spent some time talking about the Buffalo Sabres. And I was set to kind of rip into them, and I'm still going to a little bit because, again, you go out, you do everything you can to tank, you get Jack Eichel. Five years after getting him, you can't even be one of the top 20, 24 teams in the NHL. It's just pathetic. And we do talk about that. But I'll tell you, Joe tells a tale, and this is kind of interconnected to him getting laid off. Jason Botcherill personally called him afterwards. This was before Botcherill ultimately got fired himself. And uh, pretty cool details there. Something that I didn't know and didn't expect to hear. Good tale from Joe. And then we're going to end with some fun stuff. We're doing like, movie brain busters, something that you guys listening can play along with at home too. And the gist of it is I'm going to read off a series of boring movie descriptions that are actually descriptions for awesome movies that are very popular. And Joe's going to try to guess them. You could try to guess them at home as well. It came from the inspiration came from a tweet that went viral. I thought it was really cool. I spent a lot of time looking these up. So all that coming up with Joe Yernan. Not going to waste any more time here at the top. Here it is, my very open, honest, emotionally charged conversation with hockey writer Joe Yurden. All right, I'm joined right now, recurring guest, hockey writer, my buddy Joe Yurden. What's going on, Joe? How you doing? Doing good, Patrick. Doing good with, uh, in this uh, weird summer that we've got going on here. We Get, get those Florida temperatures now and again up here, which is not not what I came to Buffalo for, I got to tell you. Uh, well, you know what? I heard something about Buffalo just had a record. I think it was like seven or eight straight days of row, in a row, I should say, of uh, temperatures in the 90s. It was like the first time since 1988. So you yeah. guys are getting a hot-ass summer, man. Yeah, no, I, I, if, I could, if I could get away from it, even, even, if, uh, even if we weren't uh, told to stay at home, uh, no matter what, I would be, I'd be try, trying to find a place that's cooler. But I don't, I, don't think, I don't think anywhere is cooler. It sounds like everywhere is, is just boiling hot all the time. Yeah, and down, I mean, down here, I'm obviously uh, very used to it. Fun fact before we get going, because I got some topics here. Some are going to be serious, and then we're going to have a little bit of silly fun as well. But I was going through the records here. You're the fifth. This is the fifth time I've had you on the podcast. You're always one of my favorite guys to have on the show. And to my knowledge, Matt Perino, who covers the Buffalo Bills for uh, NewYorkUp.com, 
The only two people to ever be on this show five times. So you know that I appreciate you and like Man. having you on. That's that's it's wild that it's five times because now I now I, I feel like I gotta I gotta come up with like a recurring character or something uh, to bring <laughs> bring back. I gotta, I gotta have like a Timberlake character or a, or a Tom Hanks character or something like to uh, to bring back to the table to keep everybody entertained here. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Let's get the shitty stuff out of the way right off the bat first here because it wasn't the last time I talked to you, but two times ago I was actually in Buffalo. It was last summer. And you and I hooked up at Essex Street Pub on the west side, not far from where you live. My buddy Mac, shout out Mac, owns that place. And we taped a show there, and it was a lot of fun, man. I had a good time spending a good hour, hour and a half with you. We had a nice chat, a Sabres chat. It was summer. It was beautiful out. Everything seemed perfectly right in our own little worlds here. And Mm -hmm. here we are one year later, and just, you know, so much has changed, and pretty much none of it is for the good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's wild how, how different things are in a year's time. I was, I was thinking about this, uh, the other day when I was thinking back, I was like, wow, it was a year ago. I was in Vancouver for the first time for the, for the NHL draft. And, and, you know, me and, me and Johnny were, were busting our, busting our humps there trying to get some, to get some stories together and, and put some things together on that. And, it was just like it was like wow Vancouver that was a year ago and it like it, we're we're at the point where time is completely warped because um, I think back to when the, when the league you know when the league shut down you know the NBA the NHL they all shut down at the same time and it feels like that was a year ago <laughs> you know like yeah. and, and it was only March and that, and now it, here it is what four months later almost like almost four months later to the day and it's like everything is completely different and not a lot of it for the good. I got to say, especially personally speaking, not, not any of it for the good, really. Yeah. You know, I, I got to say, man, I take it. I get to know you guys through conversation, whether it's on this show or DMS, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And I kind of take it personal when something bad happens to any of you guys. And that certainly has been the case with you because of COVID-19 because, because of, it basically shutting down hockey because the fact that the Sabres haven't played since March and they're likely not going to play again until January, the athletic made a big round of layoffs. 46 mm-hmm. people got laid off from their brand, like 8% of the entire staff. And, you know, unfortunately you were one of them. And, yeah. uh, you know, my, my first thought was, you know, getting to, I've gotten to know you some, and I know, how, first of all, I know that you're a great talent and, a lot of people who who read your work, they all know that. But I also know the kind of person you are. Like I said, we've had some good conversations. And, uh, you know, I know how much that gig meant to you. And mm-hmm. I, it's a tough question to have to ask you, Joe. But, you know, like, not so much your reaction, but, like, did it come? Was was it at least a semi-surprise to you the way things went down? I mean, how, how, how were you able to handle that? Because myself, I, I just, again, I... I have a hard time bringing this up to you because I feel like yeah. I don't want to open up wounds to you that are still very <laughs> fresh, but at the same token, you know, I kind of feel a responsibility to ask you about it and yeah. you know how you've been it, able to handle it. It's um, well, first off, it was a complete blindside shock um, that it happened. Um, Cause the, the, the day it went down, um, we got a, we got a heads up that morning that there was going to be an all hands meeting for, everybody in the company, like, you know, all hands zoom meeting. And, you know, we've been doing, we had been doing those pretty regularly because company wise, they were keeping us apprised of, you know, what, you know, what was going on. 
you know, how, you know, how things were going, if it was bad, if it was good, you know, like, you know, what was holding steady, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, um, that weekend, if you'll recall, which again, this seems like it was a year ago. Um, sure. there was a lot of unrest, uh, across the country, um, with protests and, you know, just people just very justified sounding off. I mean, especially here in Buffalo, um, you know, we, <laughs> You know, Buffalo got to be in the uh, in the focus of a lot of a lot of that for all sorts of bad reasons. And yeah, um, I, I don't want to speak for everybody else in the company. I'm certainly not going to do that. But, you know, for myself, when that comes through, I was just like, oh, geez, OK. Um, you know, maybe they're you know, maybe they're going to, you know, do a, a company wide focus to say, all right. So this is a huge, you know like world changing moment of what's going on around the country. Let's try to, you know, find a way to be sensitive to that, you know, maybe find a way to write about you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the decision was, you know, that was, that was my initial thought because, you know, we had had a, a meeting the week before where, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't sunshine and rainbows about how, you know, things were going, you know, company wise, but it wasn't anything where you were expecting there to be bad news coming down the road. And, um, and, you know, the second the meeting starts, it was very clear this was not going to be about anything, um, going on around the country. This was about the company and they decided, you know, it was time to make some, some drastic changes to, to try to, you know, preserve the company. And it's the second you hear that sort of thing, uh, your mind goes to, and maybe this is just, you know, maybe it's just me being. Uh, I'm a perpetual worrier and I'm always just like, well, at some point the rugs are going to get pulled out. It's just, a, you know, it's just a matter mm -hmm. of, you know, am I going to get a heads up about it? And that meeting starts off like that. And I'm just like, Oh boy. Okay. Well, you know, everything else being discussed in that meeting is just kind of a blur because it, in my mind, I'm just like, okay, what am I going to do if, if I'm one of the people that's going to get cut here? And you know, it's just basically like blank the whole time until the meeting's over. And then, you know, they let us know that um, if we're one of the people, we're going to get an email with a with a setup for our for our out, outgoing meeting. And it was just like, OK, so the meeting ends and I get up and I was, you know, going to like splash some cold water in my face, try to just snap to reality and just be like, OK, let's let's be ready here. Let's let's be ready. And um, I had my phone in the living room and I hear the ding of the email go off and I was like, Oh, please let it be from GameStop or any like Marriott, like try to pitch points to me or, right. or something like that. And, uh, that was not the case. So that was just a lot of like, okay. <laughs> All right. So what do we do now? And, you know, they, they had told us what was, you know, what, you know, anybody who was like, Oh, like what the, you know, the severance and all that stuff was going to be. So, you know, so that at least that allayed some, some of the, the worry, but it was still like, boy, this is my dream job. <laughs> this yeah. was my dream job and now it's gone. Right. And now it's, you know, you're not thinking about it in the time of like, what am I going to do next? Cause you're just, you're processing everything. And I'll be honest with you. I've been still trying to process stuff and it's been over a month later. So, yeah. um, so, I mean, there's, and, you know, there's a lot of different things, personally speaking, I've been trying to work through. And it's a lot of stuff that I just don't share uh, on social media or at all, um, because that's 
you know, that's, that's personal for me. That's not, sure. that's not for me to share. Um, so sure. some of it's not for me to share other, other parts of it is, I mean, it can be if I choose to be, um, but like, that's not something I'm comfortable with, you know, that, you know, maybe back in the day when, you know, I first started out on Twitter where it was basically just, a you know, say anything you you're thinking and say anything that you're you know, you're that goes through your mind. You're just like, Hey, I've got 140 characters. Let me throw it out there. And, you know, you're just basically a fully open book. And that changed after, you know, after I joined NBC after a while there anyways. And I was just like, yeah, maybe I put a lid on some of this stuff and not, you know, not have my, you know, my full life out there for, for judgment or, you know, people to pick on or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. It was, but having something like this, where it's a very, it's a very public, you know, layoff. It's a, it's a very public job. And you're, that's when you realize like how out in the open you are as, as, as a person in the media is when something like that happens. Cause, um, I, I didn't realize it at the time that like, it was basically up to us to let it be known if we were out <laughs> or we weren't. Um, so, you know, after, you know, once I had that final exit meeting, I was like, all right, well, let's put a tweet out there and let it be known because people were already asking. I was already getting texts. I was getting email. Like people were just like, Hey, are you safe? What's going on? Like, you know, what's the deal? And I was just like, you know, it's one of those things where you, if you're the person sending that message out, if you don't get an answer right away, you probably know it's bad news. So I think, I think anybody who messaged and didn't hear from me right away, they were just like, Oh boy, this isn't good. Um, but like I put that out there and it was just a, it was such an overwhelming positive reaction from people and supportive reaction where I didn't, I, I'll be honest, and this is not meant as disrespect to anybody who, who sent a message, but I have not read any of it yet because it's too emotional. Um, at some, at some point I will. Um, but it's not now. Totally. Under- uh, yeah. To- you know, totally. Absolutely. Totally understandable. You know, it's, it's the sort of thing where, you know, doing this work means so much to me and it means, you know, just being able to be a part of this and, you know, you know, the, the adjust adjustment of my career going from being a radio producer for five, six years and then going into writing and more or less having like a rocket rise up, so to speak, I guess. I mean, it, you know, going from writing my own blog for a couple of years to going to NBC to going to NHL.com and then now, you know, then with The Athletic, it was just like, whoa, that's, that's a really rapid rise. And that's a lot of, it's a lot of living online um, with everything. And, um, but now it's like the part that I'm torn on now is, you know, is, is this the sort of thing that's the end of the road? And I don't know if that's the case because being able to throw this job on the resume at the very top to be able to say, you know, listen, this is what I did for two years. Um, you know, to go with the, you know, the, you have that NHL.com header and you've got the NBC header. It's like that. It's a lot. It's a lot of, it's a lot of glitz. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, uh, it is. It's, it's a lot of big neon signs to have on a resume. And, but the, the thing is now is what else, you know, what else is out there? Like, is there another step up? Is there another, you know, where, where going from here to there, you'd think it should be easier because that, you know, because now you're a name, you know, you're, you're a name that's been displaced. And, and I don't know if that's the case anymore with media because, because the way everything has gotten affected by, by all of this, you know, it's nobody's, nobody's really making money other than obscenely, grossly wealthy people. And, um, 
everybody's hurting in some in some fashion. And and let's face it, media is not invested in terribly well these days. And you know, in this sort of environment, sports is really secondary. And yeah. Um, here come the cops. Yeah, they're, they're, they're coming to get me now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but it's, it's the sort of thing where like, I, I don't know what's going to happen next because like whatever happens with the rest of this, this season, this startup, um, whether it actually goes through or not, I mean, we don't know, <laughs> we don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but like what happens to the job market after that, when, you know, when, when there's going to be like a short off season and they're going to try to get right back to it. You know, like what, what's out there? Is there anything out there? And, you know, is it time for me to like start looking at other, other spots elsewhere to just be be like, you know, listen, I got to (laughs) work, you know, I'm going stir crazy already. It's been a month. I have, I've had nothing to do. And like, what am I, you know, what am I going to (laughs) do? Like, what, what do I do to try to stay sane while, you know, especially if it means staying in Buffalo and covering this team, what do I do to stay sane until October? (laughs) You know, it's July. Right. What, you know, what the hell am I going to do uh, to not like lose my mind completely in that time? So it's, it's, it's really heavy and it's, it's, it's a lot, man. It's, whew, it is. I mean, and I know, I know how much, again, getting to know you a little bit personally and having the show where we did it live together, I know mm-hmm. how much pride and how much joy you took in working for the athletic. And I'll tell you, as you told me that story about the meeting, it reminded me, and this is unrelated, so you're going to have to bear with me, but it mm-hmm. kind of ties in together. I have a very good friend. A lot of people in Buffalo know him. He's a football player, Damone Harris. Mm-hmm. He's Buffalo born and raised. He went to UB, an, an undrafted free agent, and he went to Tampa Bay, and he made the practice squad as an undrafted free agent. And here's where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. As you were telling that story, I'm thinking of him too, because I remember him telling me some of these stories. You knew you had a meeting. You didn't know really what it was going to be about. Then you kind of learned what it was about. And then you were kind of left, even if it was just moments, because those moments probably felt like a lifetime to you, where you're sort of hanging in the wind. You don't know if you're going to be that one who gets an email after the meeting. you know. And in a football term, it might be like, okay, well, bring your playbook with you. You know what I'm saying? That's how mm-hmm. it is with football. And, and it, DeMond went through the same thing where he survived. He made it. He played for Tampa. But then the next year, kind of went through the same thing. And eventually he got cut. Now I say that, with uh, kind of a smile on my face, even though you physically can't see me right now, because <laughs> it has an the ending is my point. He ends up going to the, he goes to the Baltimore Ravens actually on their practice squad. And then he gets signed over to Kansas city chiefs. He's on the active roster. He plays in some games and he's a super bowl champion right now. And this all yeah. happened in a year span. So that's like my positive spin on it. Again, it's kind of a story that's unrelated. What were some of the guys that I'm not talking about necessarily the entire athletic and I understand what you're saying when it comes to like colleagues and fans, some of the stuff that they've sent you on Twitter. You haven't like had the heart to read it yet. You eventually will. But any of your direct colleagues, like from the Buffalo end of the athletic, have you spoken with any of them since this happened, like Tim or John or anybody like that? Uh, I exchanged texts with, with John and Tim and Matt Fairburn as well. And, you know, I messaged with Joe B um, mm-hmm. too. Um, Cause we're, you know, we're, we were a team, you know, we were all, we're all, we're all pulling, you know, pulling for the same side. We're all, you know, working, working for each other and helping each other out and, and, you know, just trying to, trying to do the best job that we can. And, um, you know, like, well, like as soon as I got the email, I texted John, I said, well, it's been, a, it's been fun. Um, and, you know, we, we, I talked a little bit with John and I, I haven't talked with Tim, but Tim, um, 
I got I got to I got to reach back out to Tim because Tim extended an invite to to his place for a socially distant uh, like gathering at the fire pit in the backyard and, and mm-hmm. whatnot to get the uh, to get the uh, the band back together. But I just you know I, you know obviously with with all the the COVID stuff already, I've been very worried about all that. Just anyways, I don't know if it's hypochondriac level or just normal normal concern in general. Um, yeah. But like, that's, I mean, that's something I've been, I've been worried about, but also it's just, you know, just try to process all of this, you know, like this is, uh, you know, it's not the first time I've been laid off. I got laid off by clear channel, you know, back, you know, back in 2009, um, which was a different situation because I was actively looking for a new job and, uh, I was really unhappy with a lot of the stuff that, that, you know, was going on with, with my job and, and how I was perceived and this, that, and the other thing. So that was, that was more like a welcome relief. Plus, you know, Clear Channel at the time gave, you know, cause I had been there for five and a half, six years, they gave me a nine month severance. So, <laughs> so I was just kind of like, well, all right, well, you're gonna let me go paying me, paying me to go away for, for the next nine months sounds okay to me. But, right. um, but in this case it was different because this was a job where I was like, this is something where this goes right. This could last a while. This could be, this could be a job where I'm just, I'm just doing this for, for a good number of years and uh, turned out to not be that, not be that way. And now it's that it's a full mental adjustment of just trying to be like, all right, well that's done. And I haven't really figured out the best way to, to, to get through that hump. Like I'll, I'll be honest with you today. Today has been a really hard day because it's, you know, it was the start of, you know, the first day of camps for all the teams returning and yeah, Buffalo wasn't in it, but, you know, you're, you're following all your, your friends and colleagues and, and, you know, everybody, and you're just seeing pictures of the rink and all this stuff. And it's just like, geez, all right. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, okay, like, what do I like, you know, am I going to be doing this in a few months? Is this, you know, is this something I'm going to be doing again? Like, you know, what's going to, you know, what's going to happen there. And, you know, some people, some people understood, you know, cause I tweeted, you know, I guess sort of subtweeting wise about it where it was just, you know, it was really getting me down. And some people took it to me to be like a, a poke at the sabers, which it's not, <laughs> you know, I right. appreciate that. Like, I appreciate the gallows humor of thinking like, well, you know, Hey, we're all sad about the sabers. And I go, well, you know, I'm not a sabers fan. So uh, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're just the team that I cover. It's, you know, right. it's, you know, the team I was a fan of, they were, they were the worst team since the tank team. So um, I'm not going to sit around getting sad about the Red Wings being disgusting and terrible, but you know, um, but it's the job, it's the work, it's, yeah, you know, it's the, it's the way I've been wired by, you know, by my family growing up, you know, my, you know, my dad's, you know, he's worked, he, he finally got to retire just like a couple of years ago and he's, you know, he's in his, he's in his early seventies and, you know, my grandfather never stopped working and, you know, it's just something where it's just staying busy and working and just doing your job and putting your head down. It's, I don't want to use the tired blue collar nonsense thing. Cause my job is not blue collar <laughs> in any way. Um, but it's the, it's the same sort of mental attitude where it's just like, just let me go do my job. Let me do it the best that I can and get out of my way. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's that whole thing. Exactly. And now it's kind of like, I can't put my head down and do my job because there's, there's no job to do. And you know, now what do I do? So, yeah, but I'll tell you, Joe, and I'm not, just saying this to be nice. I'm saying this because I think you have a very good talent in it. So I really mean this. The hockey role is definitely not heard to last year. I, that much, I'm I'm very confident in saying that. I know maybe right now, again, I understand why you feel down because this was your dream job. But at the same token, 
because it's not even just your writing. You have a great voice too. People <laughs> might not be able to necessarily hear this today because again, we're connected via computer software, yeah. 1300 miles away. You're in your hot ass West side apartment right now. So, you know, the sound comes and goes when we do these remote types of interviews, but you have the ability to write. You have the ability to be on radio. You know a lot about producing. So th there's lots of venues and opportunities. It just comes down to this country and COVID and the response and how things hopefully semi get back to normal. But the other thing I thought of as this was going down, because again, my first thought was, Jesus Christ, man, this really fucking sucks to, yeah. to hear this. Just like with Paul Hamilton swearing. and WGR. Let me just say, oh, thank you for swearing you. to say it because I've been trying to not swear because I don't want to <laughs> get rambling. So thank you. I, I hear you, man. But like kind of the same deal with Paul Hamilton's at WGR for 25 years and yeah. his position got eliminated. I know a lot of people, some guys like the Buffalo News that I'm friends with, they've been getting furloughed a lot. So it just, it sucks to, at different levels for everybody. But anyway, that was my first thought is how much this fucking sucks. My second thought is, I know that you like Buffalo too. Again, last year at Essex Street Pub, we had an awesome conversation about the city of Buffalo. Mm -hmm. and, and I started thinking instantly, I'm like, all right, well, I know Joe's eventually going to get involved back in the game of hockey. He's going to work somewhere for somebody, but it's not, it, maybe it won't be Buffalo. Maybe it will. I hope, I certainly hope it is. But let me ask you this. If it's somewhere else, uh, is it difficult knowing that in order to continue, if you decide to continue your career covering hockey, whether it is radio, broadcasting, writing, whatever it may be, that that could take you away potentially from Buffalo. You may have to go somewhere else to do that. Uh, that would be, it would be hard for a few reasons. Um, you know, I've made a lot of friends here. It'd be, be tough to leave them. I mean, sure. I'm, I'm 41. I'm not married. I don't, you know, I don't have, you know, I don't have like a, I don't have kids or anything like that. So it's, you know, I don't have those ties that, that, that bind where it's you, like my, you know, where my considerations have to be in other places for that. But, you know, my family, my, you know, my, my parents and my, my sister, they live out near Albany and, you know, there's, there's been some, there's been some things that have come up in the past year where being closer than not to them is, but like being, you know, being closer to home, uh, is, would be better because, you know, it's not, you know, my, you know, my folks can't, not allowed to travel right now. Let's put it that way for, for health stuff. And at least my mom's not. So, um, and even getting home to see them is not, exactly welcomed by the doctors. So, Man. um, so there's, so there's that, there's that whole part of that with, 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 with everything going on there. But, um, being far from them would be, would be tough because, you know, they, they don't, you know, they're not flyers. You know, my mom's certainly not a flyer. My dad, my dad would, but like, he's not ditching out of my mom unless my mom throws him out of the house to just go just get out. <laughs> but, right. um, but like, it's, it's that, that sort of thing. Like I, you know, Buffalo's I'm four and a half hours from where my folks are. So like, that's, that's a long enough drive to like kill your day and, and just kind of, kind of wipe you out for the day. But, um, being far from them would be tough, but I mean, they would understand. Um, I would hate it. It would, it would, it would not feel great to do that. But I mean, yeah, job, like job's Buffalo. a job, you know, like you gotta, yeah. you gotta go where the, you gotta go to where the work's at. And, you know, I guess, thankfully with this sort of, with this sort of profession, that's, that's something that you, that you can do because you know, that, that, that's part of it. At least it's not something where it's like, it's like, Oh, Hey, one of the teams is in uh, the middle of nowhere, Montana. You're going to have to move there. It's just like, well, no, like it, chances are if there's another job to be had, 
Um, it's in, it's going to be in a big city, so that helps. Um, but I mean, if it comes down to that, then I'll have you know I'll go. Uh, I know a lot of people around here won't be happy about that. <laughs> yeah. um, they're they're good. They they've already told me that they they'd be furious if if it comes down to that. But they I mean not furious at me, but just furious at the circumstances and. They, sure. They've already they've already expressed their anger with the athletic for letting me go in the first place, but right. Um, I but am I mean, too. I, it's that's fair. I'm, I'm more than willing to let everybody else speak for me on that. Sure. I don't, I don't need to say anything on that. And, no. You know that, but it, it it's unfair for me to criticize because the, everybody that's that's still there that I work with, I love their work. I love everything that they do, and I know they bust their ass. Yeah. And everybody who's still employed there does the same exact thing, but it makes me worry for them. Like that was my first concern after I, you know, after I see that I'm getting laid off, my first concern was like, well, geez, if this is their first step in trying to, trying to, you know, stem the tide, what's to say this isn't going to happen again, you know, if, sure. if sports get shut down more, you know, like, Very what, fair. like yeah. what's going to, what's going to save everybody's job then, you know, like that's, that's, that was my first concern was, well, shoot, if they're doing this now, what stops them from doing it again? You know? Um, Very fair. Yeah. And I mean, that terrifies me because these guys came in as like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to change the world. We're going to save the, you know, we're going to save the media and we're going to do this, that, and the other thing. And they're, they're not any different than anybody else who's had to cut jobs. And that, that's not, uh, that's not a knock on them. No, that's I just, hear you. That's just the reality, you know. That's everybody, just... everybody in Buffalo who joined the Buffalo Athletic, who worked on a full time basis, they left another job to do it. It's not like anybody was hired fresh out of school where it's their first opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe left Channel Seven. Matt left New York Up. Uh, Tim left the Buffalo News. John left the Buffalo News. So everybody put something on the line to come there, and you never know. I mean, look at the NFL right now. I mean, things look great, but let's just say. It gets worse, and football gets shut down for a year. Now you got two full-time Bills uh, beat writers at the Athletic. Mm-hmm. Who knows what happens down the road? I, I hear what you're saying. You're worried for other people because you just never know. This country's just getting – it's so uncertain because of COVID, and the last thing I ever do on these shows or try to do is make anything into political stuff because I've mm-hmm. learned the hard way, Joe. You take one side of the fence, you say goodbye to half your audience, so I'm not stupid, and I ain't going to do that. But right. I think we can all agree that this pandemic could have been handled a lot better than it has. And because it hasn't been handled better, you know, people like you are victims of that. Obviously, the biggest victims, of course, are people that have perished and people that are, you know, greatly and very sick. But that's been my biggest problem with this pandemic is people only measure it, its uh, its potency in terms of numbers, in terms of how many people have died, how many people are really sick or in an ICU in a hospital. Well, how many people like you that are good workers that are losing their job because of COVID and, you know, the, the league's cut down. There's less teams. There's no sports going on. Uh, people who work customer service for teams, it, I could go on and on. I'm not going to go on one of my tangents yeah. right now because I got other fun stuff that I want to hit on too here. <laughs> but but I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's just, you have to worry about stuff like that for yourself and for others too that you're close to. Well, yeah, that's, well, it goes back to like, you know, one of the, you know, the, the, the first things that, that John and Tim wrote about, you know, right when things got shut down was, was how the Pagoulas handled it with their, with their, with their work yeah. where it was, yep. you know, you know, whether it was, you know, holding back pay for, for game day staff until things were canceled, like 
you know, these, you know, whether they're part-time jobs for people or not, you don't treat people that way. And like that, you, like you got to take care of the people that take care of you. That I mean, that's, that's the way I look at it. And that's, that's sort of how that should have played out. And, you know, I mean, obviously there's, there's probably, I can't say obviously, but it sure feels like there's bigger things going on there with, with, with them, with how that, how all that has played out with, you know, cutting jobs and this, yeah. that, and the other thing. I don't want to get going on that, but I mean, yeah. you know, I'm I, sure it's more than you just know, that. I, You're right. Yeah. But I mean, like I lose my job, but I'm one of millions who have lost the job because of all of this and it's brutal. It's, it stinks out loud for everybody. I'm, fortunate enough that I can, you know, I'm still able to, you know, pay my rent and get groceries and do all that stuff. I'm very fortunate for that. Um, but there's millions who are not in that same position and that's terrible. And that's, you know, when I see people going around without masks or they're, you know, they're running out and just going to parties and all this stuff, this, like, it's just like, what are you doing? You know, like, I remember one of the, one of the first radio inter- interviews I did, like when, you know, the shutdown happened and, you know, they're always like, well, you know, how soon do you, do you see things getting back? And you know, my, I remember my, one of my first responses was like, well, it's not really up to us. I mean, it is to a degree, but it's up to the virus and we have to do our part to, to make sure the virus goes away. And once it goes away, then we can start to get back to, to having things be normal again. And it's not going away. Like it has in New York for, for a good part, but you know, some of the numbers are kind of taking a low peak back up North and that's not good. And um, but it's not like how it is in, in Florida or Arizona or California right now. Like it, yeah. it's, it's unbelievably bad and people want everything to get back to normal. Like everybody, literally everybody wants it to get back to normal. It's not like, you know, only one side or the other wants it to be normal. Again. No, literally everybody does. Um, but you have to do your part to make it happen and, you know, washing your hands, put, throwing a mask on everywhere you go. Like those are the things you have to do. Like yeah. you don't, you don't have a choice. Like that's, that's everything that you need to do. And to, to turn that into a, a point of debate and say like, you know, oh, they're taking away my freedom. I'm like, no, dude, like they're helping you stay alive so you can rail about your freedom more. Like that's like, like that, yeah. that's the whole point, you know, like you, you want to keep yelling about this? Well, wear a friggin' mask, dope. Like, let's go. It blows my mind, bro. And I'll tell you what, I mean, you want a perfect example of how bad it is in Florida this weekend. So we're talking right now on a monday night this is dropping people are going to listen to this tomorrow morning tuesday morning just this past weekend i had a flight booked to go to buffalo this week just this past weekend a good friend of mine is hey he has a summer annual party they're obviously socially distant this year it's different mask you know keeping your space but still a group hanging out and i wanted to surprise some people so i had booked a flight and i was going to go and it's so bad down here that if i would have went to new york you have to register and you have to quarantine mm-hmm. i wouldn't have been able to do it and I've heard that they've gotten really strict. So it's not like, I mean, you're taking a big chance if you try to go to New York from Florida and you don't do what you're supposed to do. Let's just put it that way. Everything I've heard, I talked to some people, you're taking a big chance. But yeah, it's disgusting down here, man. Nobody listens. It's it's almost like it never happened. Schools, there's so much to worry about now. And people who know me and know this podcast know this. A very, very, very big reason why I've stayed in Florida is because of our son. He plays high school football. He's going into his senior year right now. He already missed spring ball. They got wiped out. In Florida, spring ball is a big deal, man. Yeah. That's where a lot of colleges come down to recruit these kids. That already got wiped out. I don't have any confidence at all that they're going to play in the fall. And I don't, shit, at the rate things are going right now down here, I'm not confident that they're going to play at all. So I'm like, why am I even here? I couldn't get back to New York unless I stayed there. 
It's just horrible in Florida. I know I'm kind of going off uh, off the rails here on a different uh, track, but I, I just hear that and, and it really disgusts me. I know New York's not perfect, but like it seems like I was reading the Buffalo News. They got a plan for opening up schools based on some factors, some data, and they're going to work in that way. Florida down here, it seems like let's open this, this, that, and hope for the best. And then we'll react after things happen. That's the way it was with bars and restaurants, which are why they're shutting down again. And I feel like that's what's going to happen with schools. It doesn't feel like there's any kind of real plan. Let's just open up the schools and, and see what freaking happens. That's that's the thing with with a virus. You can't wing it with a virus. <laughs> you, you can't just right. be like, oh, let's just see how it works. Like, no, that's how people end up in the hospital. Like, that's how people end up dropping dead. But when you wing it and say, like, ah, I don't know, well, we'll see how it goes. Like, no. <laughs> like, diseases don't work that way. If you ever if if you ever have watched War of the Worlds, like how did how did the aliens lose the War of the Worlds? They got the friggin' cold. Like yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, like like that's that's what that's what stopped an alien invasion was the friggin' common cold. So I mean, you know, you want people want normalcy. Everybody desire like you can't live without normalcy. Obviously, like people are going crazy without it. Um, but you but you can't just you can't just cheat this. It can't be cheated. And three weeks ago, Joe, I didn't know one person from the time this happened until three weeks ago. I didn't personally know of anybody who had coronavirus with the exception of Jeff Boyd, who does a podcast with me. He hasn't been on in a while, but I used to have him on quite regularly. His father passed away. Now, I never met his father, but I know that his dad passed away. He, he lives in Buffalo. Outside of that, though, I didn't know him personally. I did not know of one person. Now, in the last three weeks, I personally know of seven people down here that I know well that have contracted this virus all right. in the last couple of weeks. It's just out of control, man. It's not, it does, it's not going to get any better anytime soon. And, you know, not, not to, not to play one upsman on you here because that stuff drives me crazy, but uh, there's somebody, somebody I know who lives downstate New York, uh, Long Island that remember how bad that was uh, yeah. for a while. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this person knows me get the number right here i think they knew 12 people who died from it like jesus Christ. not like not like direct relatives or anything like that but the 12 people they personally knew died from it and i don't know that that's that's hearing that secondhand is more than enough to like change anybody's perspective i mean it's as far as i'm concerned i mean some people are probably just like well they probably just died or whatever no like no that's they didn't die or whatever they died of that and like to have that sort of you know that 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 outcome on something that you can prevent by doing the most basic things is just, it's, it's mind bending that people can just decide that, well, you know, I'll, I, I won't get it. Uh, Cause I'm healthy. Like, great. Well, you might already have it. So congratulations, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like, and you might've just given it to like everybody you've hung out with for the last yeah. you know, five days. Like, congrats, that's, like, that's the mind. That's the mindset that's ruining the country. That's what I'm talking about. It's like, People who don't want to take this serious, they cite a 99% recovery rate. And that's true. But you know what? It's not just, again, the people that are dying. It's the people that are getting sick that forces this bar. I know of, I don't know the people personally, but I know of a bar where three people who worked there got sick and that bar had to shut down for three weeks. Mm -hmm. You know how much income? That's a lot of people on that staff who don't have any income. It's just, it's that trickle down effect because people just don't want to take it serious. I'll tell you this, Joe. Let's switch we, we gears here a little bit. Yeah, we're we've this first uh, thirty-five minutes or so has been really heavy, but you know what? It needed to be because I know there are a lot of people, myself included, that were very upset about what happened to you at the athletic, and I, I'm kind of glad that I had you on 
to be able to tell that story so people have some understanding. I do, and again, I'm not just saying this. I'd be if I was talking to literally anybody else, I'd be saying the same exact thing that I'm telling you right now. I do have confidence that you will get another job in hockey. You will be talking hockey. You'll be running hockey. You'll be on my podcast representing somebody at some point down the road, hopefully not too far away. And I really do hope that it it stays in Buffalo because, again, I know how much you like Buffalo, not just professionally, but also on a personal level as well. You live in a really good area, the west side. It's my hometown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, so. it's, a, it's a very tough neighborhood to beat. And, you know, honestly, my rent's really cheap, so I can't. I can't, yeah, I get, I you, I can't get too upset about any of that. It would be a huge kick in the nuts if it, if it all has to change. If I came back to Buffalo tomorrow, I would fight my wife, not physically, but I would fight with her <laughs> emotionally and verbally to live around where you live. Now, I'd lose that fight ultimately. We'd end up in the South Towns because she's a South Town girl, so I'd have to suck it off. But yeah, man, I hear you. Let's move on to a couple other things that are a little less. Well, you know what? I was just going to say a little less depressing, but the next topic was the Sabres and that's not really, (laughs) (laughs) that's not much better. You, you mentioned this now professionally, of course it would upset you to see camps open, you know, getting ready for the playoffs. Let's just speak from the mind of a Sabres fan. And as you, as somebody who did cover this team this past year, Mm -hmm. it's gotta be frustrating as a fan right now, because today, Monday was the first day of practice for the 24 teams. The Sabres are not one of them. And then you start to, it really clicks in that, all right, so this team take, they got Jack Eichel five years ago, and five years later, they can't even finish in the top 24. That mm-hmm. It's just so mentally, as a Sabres fan, demoralizing. It has to be. I know it is to me. I don't know if it's demoralizing now so much as it is exhausting, like, at this point. Yeah, really. Like Good I point. mean, demoralizing is, you know, maybe the 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 year where they, they bottomed out and got Darlene, you know, they get Darlene in the draft. I think that year is probably demoralizing. Um, because that's, because that was supposed to be, that was what Housley's first season. And everybody thought like, all right, this is going to turn around. We got this going. We're going to be good. No. And it, it was not that. And, but you could say the same for, you know, Jack's first year, you know, you get Bilesman in there. Murray makes all the, makes all the crazy trades and the team looks better on paper. And then, you know, it was just like, Hey, we got a thing going here. And then nope, didn't happen. And then, you know, it's just, it, it's, at this point now, like, yeah, it's been five years of Jack and Sam, like five years and they haven't had a, an honest to goodness playoff, r- you know, run or race or any, like they haven't even, not, to borrow the Bills phrase, they haven't even been in the hunt really. Like I think the the one year they were closest to being in that race was, uh, is that Bilesman's second? Yeah, it was Bilesman's second year when they had the, they had the bye week and they were two points out of the play, a playoff spot. Uh, at the bye week, they come out of the bye week and they got to play Colorado and Arizona on the road. And both teams were terrible. Like Colorado was God awful and Arizona was bad and they lose, they get swept by both of them. And then that bought, that, that stuck a bomb in the, in the team for the rest of the season. Cause they just crushed, like they fell apart from there. And like, that's the last, like good, like as close as they were. And that was like, what, January, February of that season. There's mm-hmm. still like two more months to play. And that was as close to a really as close to a playoff whiff as they've ever gotten. And yeah. that's in the past not nine years. Whew, man, like that it's <laughs> everything about how everything's played out. You know, you, you fire Bottrell. Okay. That you can justify that. That's fine. You fire everybody on the, the scouting staff. Like 
uh, okay, I guess, sure. Like, I mean, they're all basically brand new since 2017. So you want all of Jason's guys out. All right, I guess that that's the way it goes. You get rid of your, you know, your development coaches. All right, I suppose. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just all the layers of that. And then, you know, Terry and, Terry and Kim's presser, which just went over like a fart in church just to everybody. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and I mean, it's, fans are fans are so fed up with you know the the empty pr words honestly they you know they want i I think that's why mike's question to kim went over so well was that you know everybody was like yeah if somebody's getting after her it's like well you know somebody had to kind of find a way to cut through the pr speak and you know and still even even still the answer to that was more pr speak um you know, they, they, they just want fans just want honesty. Like if you're bluntly honest with people, they'll, they'll understand that more. Like, so I go back to Murray, like Murray was brutally honest about everything. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, he might've driven people nuts with some of the trades and, you know, some of the ways, some of the ways he phrased stuff, but at least people knew where he stood with them. Like you knew what, you know, you knew what he was thinking. You knew what he was saying. Um, you know, you didn't really, you don't really get that with Jason. Jason was, was, you kept the cards as close to the chest as possible and, just gave you nothing. And, you know, Terry and Kim, it's, it's about the message and, you know, and I mean, Kevin Adams, he seems like a guy who want, you want to see do well because he seems like an honest to goodness guy who's just been put in a very unenviable position with all this. So, I mean, man, but like when people start saying now, like, Oh, they're wasting Jack's career. It's like, you ain't wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. You're not wrong. I mean, it, it, you know, McDavid won MVP, what, his second season? He got them to the, you know, he got them to the, almost to the conference finals that year. And, you know, Edmonton's its own weird mix up. But, like, you know, Buffalo's turned into what the Oilers were. That's not the place you want to be in, man. Like, that's everything about that. It's like when people here, here and everywhere were having, were cutting jokes at the Oilers' expense because they were wasting first round picks and picking the wrong guys and failing all over the place and, you know, winning the lottery when they're not supposed to. And, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and people hated them just because they were bad. And it's like, what point is Buffalo in that boat? You know, are they there now? I, I mean, I don't think so. I think people see Jack and they're just like, wow, this guy's incredible. They see Darlene. They're like, wow, this guy, this guy's awesome too. Um, but, you know, at what point is it, you know, where it's just kind of like, the, the, does the rest of the NHL fan community go, geez, guys, get it friggin' together already. Like, you're wasting everybody's time. Never mind their careers. You're just wasting everybody's time with all this. Yeah, I'll tell you, had you told me five years ago when the Sabres, I want to say one Jack Eichel by finishing with the worst record, you told me five years ago that they would be not even in the top 24. The first thing I would have said is, all right, well, Jack Eichel is either a player who is injury prone or just didn't perform. He was a bust. That's what I would have said five years ago. That's the frustrating part because I think he's been every good as realistically you could have hoped for out of him, yet this team is no closer. Forget winning a Stanley Cup, man. They're no closer to being a legitimate Stanley Cup like playoff contender even at this point, five years later with a guy who's been everything that they could have hoped that he could have been. I think to me that's the single most frustrating part. At least for me it is. Yeah, I I mean, that was certainly the case this year. I mean, you look at everything that he did this year, it was, it was incredible. Um, and I said it, I think I said it after the first month of the year, I said, if this continues on and if he keeps playing this way and they're like, they're in a position where 
they can be in the playoffs, you have to consider him. Like, there's no question about it. You have to consider him for the Hart Trophy. Um, and like, if they make the playoffs, like, just put it on his, put it on him because <laughs> look at everything else around him, and you know, you consider how everybody else was playing this year. Uh, you know, you know, Skinner was, ha- you know, Skinner had a terrible season, and you know, Reinhardt was good. You know, Olson has a great rookie season. Like those things are, those things are great. But like Jack was driving the boat, and <laughs> like there was zero doubt about that. And um, and you see the way things play out this year, and like you know, they finished twenty fifth, and you know, it, it was the kind of thing where like if they played that one more game, like they were supposed to play Montreal when the when the season got shut down. Yeah, if they play that game and they win that game, they're in they're that in. spot. They're in, or if they win literally any game, any other game that they lost, you know, any regulation loss that turns into a win, they're in. And you could pick out at least what five, six, seven games where special teams, you know, easily fumbled the game, fumbled, fumbled the game away from them. I mean, the number of times where we're talking to Jack after the game, where we're like, what was it? You know, and Paul Hamilton's asking him, Jack, what was the difference in this game? And his only answer is just special teams. That's it. That's the story again. You know, like, the number of times, just just home games. Never mind games on the road, but home games where it was just the PK failed, the power play failed, they both failed. You know, it, that that sort of thing is just it, it. If I were a Sabres fan, it was like so diehard and was just like on every game and was just like, oh, this team, my head would have exploded. See, like <laughs> seeing that they you know they took twenty four teams and my team misses out by two points on the record, but like points percentage wise, it's one win. Like that, my head would have exploded. I would have, I would just gone nuts. I would just. Would you have a hard time? Would you, would you have a harder time covering a team if you grew up a fan of them? Like if you were a fan of the city, like if you grew up a Buffalo Sabres fan and you still had it at least embedded inside you, you know, it feels rooted in you and you're a Sabres fan and probably would make your job harder to do. Uh, it would have been a lot harder. This would have been a lot more difficult because I would be sitting there all the time going like, well, geez, I remember, I remember Mogilny and LaFontaine in, in 92, 93, boy. Why can't anybody do that again? Or, you know, uh, or, you know, goalies have a bad night. He's like, gee, I sure do remember when Dominic Hoshik was the greatest player in the league. And, yeah. or even, you know, Ryan Miller, man, I remember his Vezina season. Holy crap. He was so great. Um, you know, different things that spoil you um, from the past, you know, where, but like, I, I, I think everybody who's a Buffalo fan gets spoiled by that because there were so many good things going back you know, into the nineties and, you know, in the eighties, in some cases for, for, for the Sabres, I don't know, you know, maybe the bills in 89 when, you know, they're in the AFC title game at Cincinnati, but that's, you know, that's a little bit of a different, you know, that, that, that was, that was, that was the learning game for, for that team. But, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, if I, if I had that perspective where if I was a Sabres fan and trying to write about the current team, it would be very hard. It's, it, it would be like me going to cover the Red Wings now. Um, Granted, I have all the experience covering very bad hockey teams <laughs> as it is, and I've I've divested myself from from being right. a, a, a one you know being a fan of my team. Like that stopped, that really stopped in earnest uh, when I moved here. Like really in 2013, like it just it, it was just like this is inconvenient to me now because how am I going to cover the Red Wings when they come here if I'm still like rooting for them? Like you like you lose your objectivity with that right. and. You know, working for the NHL, the only thing you can do is be objective. <laughs> there is there is no editorializing. There is nothing of that sort. So, um, so I had to like kind of put that aside. Now, granted, having knowledge of that team worked out really well when uh, the night they retired Hoshik's number here. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Mike Babcock was coaching Detroit still, and that that they did that game against Detroit, which I think was you know was done on purpose. 
Um, but I asked the question to Babcock about um, because he coached, you know, he coached Hashik. Uh, what was it? It was 2008, and Hashik was the starter that whole year for for Detroit. And they get into the playoffs against Nashville, and he, like he just didn't have it anymore. And they, you know, I think they got down to Nashville. Did they get down in that series. It was like two two or something like that, and like there was no reason for Detroit to be tied up two two with, with Nashville. And he had to pull Hashik out of that series and start Osgood just to say like, all right, we got to do something else here. And I asked Babcock about that. I was like, how hard was it to know that he's done? And Mike gave the like the most incredible quote. I, I got to try to find it on my computer, but he gave me the, 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 like one of the single best quotes I've ever gotten from anybody on anything. And this was, uh, and this was on Hashik, like the night they're retiring his his number and in Buffalo. And it was just like, wow, here. Okay. I've got it right here. Cool. Um, so I asked him about, I asked him about this and this thing's got to freaking load up. So give me, <laughs> give me one second while this loads up, but, but Mike, Pause for a second. You know, this is right in the middle of the Red Wings locker room, and he pauses and and um, he, he gives it some good thought, which I was like, I knew he would because you know it's it's a guy that won him a Stanley Cup. You know, back you know going back going back in the day, or uh, sure, yeah, you know that, that you know helped him win a Stanley Cup that season. And you know, I asked him, you know, how hard it was, and I'm not going to embarrass embarrass you with my Mike Babcock impression. Although it kind of sounds like this. You know, guys. Uh, you know what? Maybe I will do it that way, just to just to kind of just to kind of give, give it the some effect. Yeah, I want more. <laughs> I'll do it for the pod. Um, All right, man. He goes. Uh, he goes. Uh, you know, the hardest thing to do is uh, coach superstars at the end because Father Time gets us all. Uh, it just does. Uh, but what's what's made them superstars is they never believed anything anyone told them negative. They just didn't believe it. Uh, they just get pissed and say, "I'll show you." It's been the same for every star that I coached that retired. Uh, it's hard at the end. Uh, but what makes you so good is that mental toughness that says, I can do it. I can do it. Screw you. I can do it. All right, guys. See you. You know, like that, but that's such an unbelievable quote. And that's yeah, such a, it is. that's such a great way to, to boil down how great somebody is. And like, but like, that's the kind of thing that like literally everybody in Buffalo knew about Hashik. Like they knew how great he was. Sure. <laughs> like everybody in Detroit knows how great he was, but like that, that sort of thing where, like I and I only come to ask him that as like the Buffalo reporter because I grew up watching the freaking Red Wings all the time and you know seeing Hashik play for them was incredible because I loved I loved Hashik in Buffalo like back in back in the early blog days when it was when you were picking a goalie you know you're either a Wa guy you're a Brodeur guy or you're a Hashik guy mm-hmm. and I was from the very beginning I was always a Hashik guy because. I, I liked Wah in Montreal, but the second he went to Colorado, he was dead to me <laughs> because I was just, whatever, screw that guy. Right. Um, and Brodeur, I, I didn't like the Devils because I was an Adirondack Red Wings fan growing up outside of Albany. And once the uh, once the Albany River Rats started up, they were a Devils team. And I was just like, oh, geez, these guys are boring. These guys are boring as boring as all hell. And Brodeur didn't play for him, but like he played for the Devils and, you know, the Devils beat Detroit in 95 and. You know, that started everybody down the road of like, oh, the trap and interfering with everything. That works. Cool. We're, we can do that. Nice. Uh, let's ruin hockey for the next 10 years. It's perfect. But um, <laughs> but I mean, it was but like I wasn't, you know, like I respect every everything that Marty did as a player. I you give me a game seven. I'm taking Hoshik every every time, 10 times out of 10. Yeah. Like there's there's zero doubt. Like 
Hashik's a maniac. Like, like he was, he was a complete maniac and he was going to do everything possible. And Sabres fans were spoiled for years because they got to have a goalie where there were many, 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 many nights where the team played like shit, should have lost by two or three goals and would win two to one. Yeah, having no like, business winning the game. And for years and years, they got a lot of games where they won because of the goaltending. And it's crazy because it was like they went from Hashik. You went from Hashik to, to Marty Baron for a couple years, and then it was Ryan Miller. Like yeah. that, like that, that's an unbelievable run of franchise goaltending where you're just, you didn't have to worry about anything for like 15, 15 years, basically yeah. 15, 20 years almost. Like that's crazy. And you see, yeah, and you see a team to, uh, like this past season, and it's not that Olmark was bad. Carter Harden was very bad when he had an opportunity to be the number one when Olmark got hurt. But the point being is that the goalie didn't win a lot of games, and you said it yourself. If the Sabres just found a way to win one more game, they'd be getting prepared to play hockey right now. Now, you know what's funny? I talked to you about how much, well, this isn't funny, but about a year or so ago when me and you got together on the West Side for some wings and just how much life has changed personally and professionally since then. Last time I actually had, had you on the podcast was late February of this year. It was literally a couple hours after the NHL trade deadline had passed. The Sabres were playing reasonably well at that time. They had picked up uh, Wayne Simmons and uh, who's the guy from Pittsburgh that they got? I, I, uh, I, uh, Dominic. Dominic. Yeah, they got th- they got them on trade deadline day. They were playing well. They had gotten themselves at least on the, the brink, I should say, of playoff contention. Mm-hmm. And I remember if I was not lazy, I would go find it and play the quote where I asked you if Jason Bottrell, if you think he's safe now, and you said he, you think he is, and I agreed with you 100%. Then they went right in the shitter, went out of the, of the West Coast, and that was it four or five games later. But even still, as recently as three weeks before it had happened, Kim Bagula said that Batra was back. They even had a Zoom presser with him. And then, of course, you know, the rug got pulled out, like you said earlier. They got pulled out from Jason Botcherill. I know maybe not a lot of things surprise you too much with this organization and your experience covering a team, but... Were you pretty surprised that after the Botrell Zoom presser and a couple of weeks later, he was out? You know, I've gotten so numb to um, the, uh, what is it, the, um, the, the vote of confidence from, from, from owners and, and higher-ups yeah. when it comes to that stuff that, like, when it happens, I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay. All right. Well, of course. I, 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 you know, I, I felt terrible for Jason, um, and I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever shared this since I got let go. But uh, one of the, not one of the first people to call me, but like that day that I got let go, I got a, I was on the phone with a, with another friend of mine. I got a, had a phone phone call coming in on the other line from Pittsburgh, and I was like, oh, who the hell's calling me from Pittsburgh? I thought it might have been like Rob Rossi or one of my athletic buddies down there. And, um, I said, I said, I said, hang on. Yeah. I said, I told my friend, I gotta let you go. I'm getting another call. Like they're just like, okay. So mm-hmm. I called the number back and picks it up. And he's like, Oh, Joe, Hey, Jason Bottrell. I was oh, t- oh, hello. <laughs> so you've had my phone number all along. Okay. <laughs> um, and he, he expressed his, you know, he expressed that he was, he was very, he was very sad to hear that I got let go and all that. And I was like, wow, it's, it's crazy. We ended up talking for about 10 to 15 minutes, just, shooting the breeze on like whatever. And like, that was really like, that was really cool and very stand up of him to do that. And yeah, um, same can be said of Randy Sexton. He called me, he called me a few days later. Uh, I got a text from Steve Greeley. Now they're all out of work too, which is really, which is really, really frustrating to see because, you know, 
when, when you know, like, and I knew those guys were, they were good guys. Like, you know, we have a different perspective as writers when we see these guys pretty consistently and, you know, at the rink and whatever, but, um, mm-hmm. that's yeah, I mean, but- that, that kind of stuff, that, that kind of tough stuff is uh tough to see. And, you know, but like, I think in Jason's case, him getting let go, it you can make so many justifications for it. You can't really say like, it's the, it's the wrong move. Um, but I think everybody had it in mind that they were going to go hire somebody that had, you know, maybe more, more chops or more, you know, had more of a standing mm-hmm. um, that, that Jason had as, you know, as a, as a first time GM, I think, I think anybody might, might've thought that this would have been the time to go get a retread or somebody who had, you know, at least had the job once or twice before elsewhere. Um, but, you know, the, the way it played out, I mean, you know, it, it it feels like a cheap shot to say that it's like typical of how, how things have been run here, but the Sabres, their whole history has been filled with guys it, getting first time GM it, jobs. So it I mean, ain't a cheap even... shot. You're telling the truth. A cheap <laughs> shot is something that's unnecessary. You're telling the truth there. A hundred percent. That's really classy of him to call you too, man. And that's the kind of story that makes me feel almost a little bit bad because I'm one of those guys who sit here and have bashed every move he's made, which in fairness, I mean, that's a hockey thing. I, I feel like I have a right to do that if I don't like moves he made. But on a personal level, I mean, that, that that's a pretty stand-up thing to do to to, get, to give a writer a call after he, he's been laid off like that. He didn't yeah. need to do that. There's no reason for him to do that. No, certainly not. And um, the, thing, the thing that got me was, um, you know, one of the, one of the, the things I, I had done towards the end was I did a look at the, the salary cap of like, you know, what could happen if it stays at 81 and a half, which, Hey, look at that. It's exactly what ended up is, is going to happen for the next couple of years. Um, and I was like, I was, boy, they, they might be in some trouble if they don't do their contracts right here. Um, they might be in trouble anyways, uh, just because the cap overages and things like that, they're going to have to deal with this next season. But uh, I told Jason, I said, I said, geez, I, f- I feel bad because I mean, you, I was like, you get a lot of grief anyways, but after I wrote that, you're, you're definitely getting a lot more grief. And he's, he just started laughing and he goes, he goes, he goes, well, listen, Joe, if I had a problem with it, we wouldn't be having a discussion right now. So I was like, right. That's fair. <laughs> so I was, I was like, okay, I was, that, that, that's yeah. good to know. I mean, plus I, you know, I took that to mean he read it too. So I, <laughs> so it's not like he was flying blind with that, but um, yeah, I, but I mean, that, that's the sort of thing where it's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, he respected the work that I did. And um, he, you know, if he did have an issue with anything, he didn't hold it against me. So that's, that, that was nice, but. Um, well, the work yeah, you did, don't, don't say did, did is past tense. The work you do, big difference there. Did well, is past tense. You still got I mean, a lot more work to do. I haven't done anything in over a month now. So I feel like, I feel like I'm a lazy ass. So it's, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, here's how we're going to end. Typically I would have like some kind of fun fact finale, but I want to do something different with you. Kind of, I don't, I don't want to call it trivia because it's not really trivia. But, and I talked about this in the opening, and it's something that people listening can try to listen into and, and try to guess too. So this woman and her Twitter handle, I got to make sure she gets credit, was at Red Romina. About a week or two or so ago, she had a tweet, a simple tweet, and it said, can you describe your favorite movie as boring as possible? And I looked at the responses and I found some that were funny. And then maybe... I don't know. Later on that night, I'm laying in bed. Her tweet went viral. It absolutely blew up. Thousands and thousands and thousands of replies. So I started thinking to myself, as I'm going through them and I'm looking at them, I'm like seeing if I know the answers. A lot of them I knew right away. Some I had no idea. And some I, they're on the tip of my tongue. And then when I found out the answer, I was like, oh shit. 
I should have known that. But anyway, I figured this would be something different to do with you. So I'm going to do that, man. I'm going to read you some boring movie quotes of some movies that are actually very popular, very mainstream. I'm not, they're not going to be any of them that are real recent and, and, you know, not well known. You'll probably, I'm going to guess that you'll know maybe half of these. You'll probably know them all after I say the movie title. And again, people listening at home and I going to hold it against you if you don't do too well, because again, you are a hockey writer and you're always writing and covering games and shit. So you ain't got time to be seeing all these damn movies, but you're down for that. You want to do that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely down for it. I've, I've, I've been trying to, now that I've got a lot of free time, I've been trying to catch up on some movies. So, uh, so <laughs> may, maybe I'll, maybe I'll sneak through and ace this. I'm, I'm, we'll see. All right, here we go. And again, like I said, you're going to hear some of these. You're going to be like, oh, God damn it. I should have known that. All right. So we'll start here. Um, boring movie descriptions. First one, this guy and his friend are wrongly accused of shooting a clerk. His cousin is a lawyer and gets the case dismissed. That's the whole description. I'll read it again. Uh, if you need me. Uh, that's, that sounds like my cousin Vinny. Yeah, there you go. That oh, is okay, it's my nice. cousin. Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was holding my breath on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, here's the next one. A grandfather reads to his grandson while he's homesick as he wished. Oh, uh, princess bride. Yeah, that one's almost. I, I think, I think everybody listening will beat, beat me to answering that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was Jeopardy. Probably, they were hitting the buzzer right away. They're just like, no, 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 I know it, I know it. <laughs> this one's probably easy too, but I thought it was funny, so I'm going to read it anyway. Okay. Flight crew and passengers get food poisoning. Disappointingly, nobody on the plane is called Shirley. <laughs> that is airplane, and it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the all-time classics. There's probably some young people out there listening, though, who don't know what that is. So uh, older people definitely are going to get that. Well, it's on Netflix now, so there's no reason to not get caught up on it. Yeah, yeah. All right, next one. The guy from Moonlighting goes to a terrible office Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is diehard. That is, and that's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah all right um where are we here next one all right this one might not be quite as easy there's a bus that's driving along with some passengers on it but the person driving wants to try and drive for as long as possible without going too slowly that's that's a that's a long that's a long route to get to speed <laughs> yeah it is it really is that i hated that movie by the way but that's a popular oh, one that, so that one um that's Dennis Hopper at his craziest, um, and I love it for that. I think that's Dennis Hopper, right? Like he's he's um, the ba- he's the ultimate bad. He's guy. He's the bad guy. Yeah, he okay, is. He's yeah. the bad guy. I was I had Keanu Reeves stuck in my mind as you're saying. I'm like, what? what, what? But no, you're you're 100 right. All right, next one here. Ever since he was a kid, a guy always wanted to be what he ended up being. Oof. Now okay, this is not so much vague. a premise. That, uh, yeah. All right. Now I'll give you a hint. It's actually the first line of the movie. It's not really so much the premise. I'll read it again. Okay. Ever since he was a kid, a guy always be a guy always wanted to be what he ended up being. This um, one is hard until you hear the answer, and then you're instantly going to pop in your mind. Um, man. And by the way, I got to say too, some of these descriptions of these boring movie descriptions are really good, man. They're they're, yeah. they're crafty and they're witty. This is, I, I, I know as soon as you tell me the answer to this, it's going to bother me. It is. The very first line of the movie, ever since I was a kid, I always knew I wanted to be a gangster. 
Oh my God, Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. Goodfellas. Okay. Yep. God. Oh. Yeah, that's I. Yeah. I exact same emotions for me on a lot of a lot of these. Some I included, some I didn't. All right, next one. Harvard students decide to make a website that ultimately broke their friendship. Uh, that's the uh, the social network. Yep. Yep. Okay. You got it. <laughs> Your hesitation um, made me free. I was like, oh no. No, 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 you got it. All right, next one. This one's probably pretty easy. Old lady retraces. <laughs> this is actually funny. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. It's funny. Old lady retraces getting banged on the boat where she lost a necklace. <laughs> <laughs> um uh non-pornographic answers uh are out on this one right uh no that's titanic yeah like that. <laughs> all right there's another one i like too boy meets girl loses girl gets girl back attends a dance contest only to lose girl again he puts on a cardigan and she puts on a leather jacket and all as well <laughs> that's another one i really like okay so okay so the first half of that made me think you were doing uh back to the future um yeah, not but, that but upon hearing the end of that uh it sounds like greece yeah it is greece that's okay. a good one though isn't it somebody had to be really creative to come up with that boy meets girl loses girl gets girl back 10th attends dance concert loses girl again puts on a card again girl puts on a leather jacket that's a great movie description uh here's one that might be hard maybe it won't be maybe it will i thought it was it got me a moody tween is sent to her room and is visited by two priests to talk through and help resolve her issues (laughs) (laughs) okay so this description is fantastic um because it's the exorcist yeah it is (laughs) a moody tween (laughs) work through help resolve her issues that's funny um (laughs) <laughs> there's another one well obviously if you've seen it you'll know it right away so car salesman discovers he has a brother who is an excellent driver oh god what was the name of the movie um yeah it's on oh, the tip of your tongue sure. already rain man yep rain oh, man thank god all right couple <laughs> more here <laughs> a quiet guy who only comes out on his favorite holiday that's the whole description a quiet guy who only comes out on his favorite holiday <laughs> Um, uh, Halloween. Yeah, it's Halloween. Okay. (laughs) You're, you are acing this. You were right. Um, this one might not be that easy. Two musicians pay an orphanage's taxes. Hmm. It's an older movie too. Not old. Well, it's old enough. Uh, uh oh the uh the blues brothers yep there it is the blues brothers you got it yep um four adolescents look for a kid hit by a train oh uh stand by me yep stand by me you're good at this man all right last couple here (laughs) a dude works in a convenience store and whines a lot (laughs) that's one of my favorite movies that's clerks (laughs) (laughs) we're supposed to be here today (laughs) <laughs> it was supposed to be here today. Yep. Um, where are we here? Uh, Patricia Arquette's kid gets older every year, then goes to college. That is actually a really clever, uh, boring description. I'll read it Say, again. Patr- yeah. Patricia Arquette's kid gets older every year, then goes to college. <laughs> What's the first word? I couldn't understand it. Patricia Arquette. Her, oh, kid, okay. her kid gets older every year and then goes to college. 
Oh, man. That, um... This is probably the least mainstream movie of them. I mean, I think it won an Oscar. I know it was nominated for it. I think she actually won an Oscar for this. Patricia Arquette. Um... Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I almost said it was uh, Billy Madison, but I was like, no, that's not it. That's not that's no. not that story at all. <laughs> no, no, um, not it's not that. It was Boyhood. Remember that movie Boyhood that oh, took place over, man. it took like 12 years to make the movie. The kid was a young yeah. kid when it started. By the time they released it, the kid was like legit going to college yeah so, oh, yeah man. so that, that was one that was probably the hardest one or at least one of them anyway um what do we got here this one probably easy a financially strained farmer builds a baseball field and a few games are played that is a, a financially strained but, farmer see that, i like the descriptions <laughs> that, um i feel the dreams um yeah. for that one yep, yep. But that, that's one of those movies that is like if you put an, a, a list together of movies that are guaranteed to make a guy cry, that's pretty high on the oh, top of yeah. the list. Absolutely, man. Like Absolutely. That one, um, and one that maybe a lot of people haven't seen is Big Fish. Uh, the Tim I Burton haven't seen movie. that. Oh, man. Uh, it's, it hits on the same exact notes as Field of Dreams. It's, um, but it's a lot more like it's more fantasy and um, Tim Burton weirdness in it. Um, but it's, it's the it's this it's the same note, but it's played differently. But it it hits it hits the same way. Hmm. I'll have to check it out. All right, the Cleveland Indians have not won a pennant in over thirty five years and haven't placed higher than fourth in the last fifteen. Obviously, it's time for some changes. <laughs> <laughs> I like the description. That's I had the, to throw the, that in there. Yeah, but we, uh, is it Major League One or two? It's one. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's Major League One, but I just like, obviously, it's time for some changes. That's a pretty good uh, witty way to, to describe it. All right. Father and eldest son die working on the family business, and the youngest goes to a restaurant for a meeting. Uh, the Godfather. Yep, the Godfather. Oh, nice. Uh, three more here. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Oh, The Shining. Yeah. Another classic. Um, okay. A son tries to sell brake pads to keep the family business alive. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it's Tommy boy. Uh, I, yeah. you know, what's funny. I, I had one, I had one of those, I sent one of those to another friend. Um, and it was a bit more vague than that. Um, oh, I'll never find it now, but I, I think I said something like, uh, son goes to work at family business after father passes away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I was yeah. just like, Oh, that could be, be a lot of things but yeah <laughs> um all right last or two more here now i lied so I, I think i said that was gonna be the last one but i lied two more former champion trains with former adversary in california but just goes through the motions until his wife's motivational beach speech um this yeah, one's rocky, hard for most people is it rocky two you're close but no is that the first one Nope, it's the third one. Oh shoot! It's the okay. third. Mickey Mickey dies. Yep. Um, Clubber Lang beats the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, Apollo meets him at his gym, convinces him to come out to California to train, but Rocky's heart's not into it, mm-hmm. and he loses a race on the beach. And Apollo's disgusted, walks off, and then Adrian comes in and has that big speech, and it kind of motivates him, and uh, he goes from there. 
That's right. Yeah. That Rocky three was, it was good, but like, um, when Mick dies, man, that kill, that kills me every time. And it like, it, it does. makes you hate, it makes you hate Clubber Lang so much, which, which is a full credit to Mr. T for just being a complete dick that whole movie. Yeah. Um, he was such a great foil, but like that one's hard. Like Rocky two II and three are hard for me to watch three because of Mick two, because I just didn't like it as much as the first one. Um, but I got all, I got all day, every day for Rocky four, man. I will. That is Rocky four. Is the best soundtrack. Hell, so good. Best soundtrack to Rocky four. Oh for God. sure. Yeah. I don't know. You talked about field of dreams being a movie that can make any man cry to me. Rocky three. When if we were watching right now, if we were having a watch along and I had to see Mickey die, I probably would start shedding some tears right here. Right. Oh, at this point. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it hits you, but like that, that to me may be mad where it's just like, Oh man. Rocky's got to kick Clover's ass now. Like that's that's enough. <laughs> like, yeah. like, but it's like Rocky gets put through the ringer through that whole movie. Um, like with all the stuff with Thunderlips, where like he gets his ass kicked by Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. and and you know Clover Lang is just is pestering him the entire movie and just being a complete dick. And uh, and then Mick, you know, and then Clover kills Mick, you know, by accident, and it's just like, what the hell, man? Like. Yeah. Leave Rocky alone. This dude, he's had enough. <laughs> like, it's enough already. Yeah, I hear you. I lied to you. I said that there was going to be one more, but there's two more, because now I found two, so I got to okay. read a both to you. Spoiled rich girl falls hard for dancing instructor against the wishes of her privileged father. <laughs> a, a wonderful movie made in upstate New York, Dirty Dancing. Yep, Dirty Dancing for sure. All right, this is the last one. This may or may not be that easy for you. A woman ditches her glasses becomes a travel agent and gets married. Oh, uh, <laughs> woman ditches her glasses. A woman ditches her glasses, becomes a travel agent and gets married. Jeez. Um, yeah, this is one where you, if you saw the movie, it's, it's pretty easy. If you haven't seen it, then it'd be hard to get. Man, um, I think you got me stumped on this one. All right. The answer is my big fat Greek wedding. Oh, geez. I've seen it once and it's been a long time. And yeah, yeah I, I forgot the travel agent part of the whole story, which is it's a huge fail on my part. Hey, you still got an A plus. I think you only got two wrong out of all these, man. Yeah, I think I missed like two or th- two or three. Yeah, it's about well, it. Definitely not more than three. You missed big fat Greek wedding. And uh, Boyhood. I can't think of any other yep. one you missed. Aced it, man. I'll, anyway. I'll take it. That's a win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Give Joe a follow on Twitter, at Joe Yernan. Anytime, man, you want to come on this podcast, I love chatting with you. So best of luck to you, and uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. Hey, you got a patch. Any Anytime, man. Like, And uh, yeah. Yeah, always always a fun and always a treat when you, when you have me on. I'll, I'll, be your, I'll be your letterman returning guest if somebody bails. Let's put it that way. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for today's episode. Very big thank you again, Joe Yurden, really talented hockey writer. I cannot wait to see him covering a beat soon. Thanks again for doing the show, Joe. I also want to thank today's show supporters, 26 Shirts, Audimute, and of course, Sounds Assured. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please, please, please go ahead and do it right now rate and review it really helps me continue 
to grow this podcast. Don't forget, you can also win a free large pizza and 20 wings by being a subscriber, courtesy of Macy's Place Pizzeria. Available on all major podcasting platforms. Also want you to hit us up on YouTube, Talking Buffalo Podcasts. We have our own YouTube channel. I got highlight clips from current and past episodes up there. Going to be having some original content coming really, really soon to YouTube as well. Then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. I am literally always on Twitter. That's where you'll find me. Don't forget again about that contest going on. It's pinned right at the top. Go check it out, at Pat Moran Tweets. Thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time. It's how I end every episode because it means a lot to me. I know how many podcasts there are out there. So many good ones. Your ears and your time is locked into this one. Can't tell you what that means to me. It means a lot. Thank you very much. Have a good week. Stay safe. And we'll be back. Brand new episode on Friday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.